Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Remnant Call. I'm your host, Brother Frank, and glad to be here with you tonight. Folks, this is an important message. I'm I'm not going to mess around. Um, I want to get right into it because I feel like there is some important things that we don't always address in our intense pursuit to be aware of the end times. And so, folks, I'm going to dive right in tonight, and I just want to open with a word of prayer. Father, in the name above every name, Jesus, Yeshua, we thank you, Lord, that you bless us even when we don't deserve it. So, Lord, tonight I ask that you would bless despite the things that I've done, Lord. And, Lord, I pray that you would, in turn, bless your people to grow closer to you in this hour Lord, that we would be able to face whatever comes our way because we know that we are covered under the blood. We thank you so much, Lord, and we believe these promises from your word confirmed in your spirit, Lord. We thank you in in Yeshua, Jesus' precious name. Amen. There was a teenage boy, folks. He was seriously injured in an automobile accident. The doctors had done all they could to repair the damage to the boy's body, but despite their fast medical knowledge and their quick response, his legs were unable to be restored. He was informed that he would eventually walk, but only with the aid of braces and crutches. The young man was devastated. His whole life had revolved around sports, like hopefully receiving a scholarship in football. He would never be able to run again, and it crushed his spirit. The next year was not easy one for the boy as his parents had to make major decisions about his life. Routines had to be changed. Different patterns had to be altered. Attitudes needed to be adjusted. Time, prayer, though, and patience helped to restore some of the boy's confidence in himself, but he still battled daily with lapses into self-pity. One evening, the boy's father approached him and said, Get dressed, son. I want you to go to church with me tonight and hear the guest preacher. At first, the boy protested, but eventually agreed at his father's insistence. At the conclusion of the sermon, the preacher gave an altar call. The father told his son, I think we ought to go. The braces thumped loudly on the boy's legs as he walked down the aisle. The father and the son knelt down to pray, and then they returned to the pew. You could still hear the boy's legs through his braces thumping loudly. Turning to his father, though, he said, It's okay now, Dad. I still have the braces on my legs, but God has removed them from my mind. What is it right now in your life, folks, that has braces locking you in and holding you back to a real relationship with our Lord and Savior? I'm not talking about just believing in a few prayers and hearing some good shows. What I'm talking about is what is it that's keeping you from life of having absolute victory and freedom from fear? Anyone can say they believe, but it seems like only a few can actually live like they have truly been set free from the power of sin and move forward in their walk with total confidence. I often talk to people who claim the name of Jesus, but as soon as trial or tribulation comes, we begin to see the real person as they crumble in anger very often with God because he would allow such a situation to come into their lives or a false belief that God is punishing people because of their actions. Folks, 
I cannot believe the anger that some people show towards God, thinking that he's out to get us because we are in a bad situation. It's amazing how he died for us while we were yet sinners, and now we make a mistake and we think God hates us. What a terrible, terrible thing to think about. Our God is very gracious and merciful, but folks, make no doubt about it. This life is filled full of trials and tribulation, and if you're looking for it to get better, it will not. But if you're looking for peace through the midst of your trials and tribulation, well, that is what God is in the business of giving. And he means for us as believers to get it. Now, the title of the show tonight or tomorrow or whenever you're hearing it is called Giants in the Land. And folks, you hear a lot on the Internet about giants and the Nephilim and all those things. And folks, listen, I do not claim to understand everything that's going to happen at the end of time. I believe it is going to be so supernatural, so unbelievable that if it was possible, even the very elect of God, meaning you cannot leave this hour or moment for chance, thinking that a half stepping walk with the Lord will somehow carry you through these last days. Folks, I don't know what's going to, whether it's going to be a, uh, tell us that the aliens have been here and there, you know, there's a new false Messiah or that they're giant, whatever it might be. It will be as in the days of Noah. I know that. And so therefore it is an open ball game. The Lord said that very supernatural things were going to happen. So we must be prepared because there are truly uh, giants that are going on in these last days. And folks, I'm going to tell you right now, if they come up and say one day that some aliens have been here before on this planet and now they've returned and they are our true messiahs that sounded, seeded our planet uh, millions of years ago or whatever they're trying to claim, folks, we got to be grounded in the word knowing this is demonic. It's not from the Lord because so many people are going to be caught off guard when these giants are revealed in the last day. But the problem that I'm concerned about, it's not what's coming in the supernatural realm to deceive the people. It's the lack of preparation to face these giants based on the way we are facing the giants right now in our own lives that are happening at this moment. That is my concern because if we do not build a firm foundation right now and understand where we go to when we have issues, we will never be able to face those problems when they confront us in real time, in real life. I learned something very powerful years ago from Brother David Wilkerson before he passed on how to overcome uh, things in your mind or bad thoughts or stuff like that. And that is how to run to God in our minds, run to God in our minds. Too often we entertain the thought, but live folks, I'm telling you right now, if you will learn how to run to the Lord in your mind, meaning when that thought that's impure or that thought that's angry or whatever it may be comes over your mind, you will immediately, sometimes what I just do is I begin to sing a hymn, sing a song. I might even sing just Jesus loves me, whatever it might be. And I sometimes I've even had to squint my eyes before, like, you know, kind of squench up in my, my face because I know that if I will seek the Lord and begin to sing and pray and seek his face, that that thought will leave quickly and it will be blocked. And when you learn how to run to the Lord in your mind, how to take the thoughts captive, you will find victory. Because what happens too often is when we are faced with something we've never seen before, if our walk has no depth to it, it it is tried and revealed in that fire of who we truly are. It happened back in the Exodus. It happened back in the children of Israel. You remember the story in the Bible when they were sent into the land of Canaan, 
how that the Lord Moses had sent out spies into the land. And I just want to read just a little bit out of that story. When they came back and gave a report, you remember they came back and the spies had gave an evil report out of the land, how they were like grasshoppers in these giant's eyes and how, how dangerous it was. And in chapter 14, of the book of Numbers, it says this, and all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in the wilderness, and wherefore had the Lord brought unto us this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey? Were were it not better for us to return into Egypt. Folks, I understand so often, but I get tired of hearing this excuse. Well, I started smoking again because of the pressure and the, and the, and the stress that I was dealing with, or because my parents, or I got back into drinking because I, I found something out that I didn't want to hear. And we use those excuses in order to justify and hear what they're saying is that, oh Lord, wouldn't it be better that we go back to Egypt? So instead of falling down on their knees and saying, God, you are able to deliver us from this, no matter what, Lord, you brought us through and a pillar of fire by night and cloud by day. You've split the Red Sea, Lord. I know you could take care of some little puny giants in this land, but no, they said, you know what, it'd been better that we go back to Egypt. And so often, so many people want to return back to Egypt when they are in their moment of testing instead of looking towards Canaan land and believing the promise instead of looking towards the Lord and understanding that his ways are better and that he can overcome anything that is put in front of you. No, instead, too often, we want to go back to Egypt. And we know Egypt represents bondage, folks. Bondage out there. And so soon as they were faced with these giants in the land, they wanted to go back to Egypt. And in verse 4, it says, And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. They were ready to go full steam back in after seeing the Lord do all those miracles It just blows my mind, yet I see us guilty of the same thing so often. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel, and Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephaniah, which were of them that searched the land and rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, and the land floweth with milk and honey and all kinds of other stuff that they mention there. So here out of all of the millions of people that were there, we've got four people, Moses, Aaron, Joshua and Caleb that are wanting to go into the land. And and you kind of got to wonder why in the world would they want to do that? Well, we're going to answer that at the end of this show. But you know, it's interesting one time, Jimmy Evans made a very interesting comment. He said, God put giants in the promised land to keep unbelievers out. Yeah, I remember this story. It was, I believe it was in Romania, I can't remember exactly right now, but there were a group of believers in this room and all of a sudden they were having a prayer meeting and they kicked open the door. These armed men came in with masks on their face and they held guns up to everybody and they said, if anyone isn't willing to die for their faith, if anyone isn't willing to die as a Christian right now, then you better get up and leave. And so 
few of the people, they got up and they grabbed their stuff and they ran out the door. And after they ran out the door, the men walked over to the door and they slammed the door and they turned around to the group in there and they pulled their masks off and put their guns down. And they said, we just wanted to know who the true believers were. You see, today, folks, in our midst, in our homes, in our work, even those in our go to churches, there are giants that are coming at us from all sides. We can see and taste the fruit so often of the promised land, but the fear of those giants keep many of us from walking truly with our God. Sometimes it can even be crippling to ponder the possibilities of what could happen. You could walk right out of your home and a car could run over you and your life could be over for forever. You could lose your job and be in financial peril tomorrow. And who is going to come and deliver you? Folks, that is going to be only the Lord. See, if you get knocked, killed by a car, it doesn't matter if you know the Lord. If something happens to a family member, it will hurt. But if you know the Lord, it will be okay. But we have to face it, folks. We live in a sin-sick world, and there's nothing that we are going to be able to do about the world. But what we can do something about is how we live and who we tell the good news of the second coming of Jesus Christ. In 1962, Victor and Mildred Gortzell published a revealing study of 413 famous and exceptionally gifted people called the Cradles of Eminence. They spent years attempting to understand what produced such greatness. What common thread might run through all of these outstanding people's lives? Surprisingly, the most outstanding fact that was virtually all of them, 392 of the 413, had come to very difficult obstacles in order to become who they are. Every one of these people had overcome some intense adversity, trials, temptations, hardships, but what came out of all of this were leaders, men and women who knew what that, excuse me, who knew that when they fought and strived and kept their heads up, that something good would come out of it. What's the difference between them and us? Somehow we have lost track over time of our Christian walk that we serve a mighty king. We do not serve a weak God who cannot stand up for himself. We serve an overcomer who went into battle not with thousands of mighty and great weaponry, but our king went into battle with his own life and single-handedly defeated the enemy. His own men abandoned him, yet he was not stopped. There is a verse in the Bible that talks about the last day's Christian. It talks about a people who are going to be living, folks, in our time. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come the salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto death. So here's a group of believers. They know the devil's after them. Everything's going wrong. Everything that is can be shaken is being shaken. Satan wants them dead. But these are not ordinary believers. These are remnant believers. These believers have been in the word. They no longer care about their own lives, and they are standing strong, ready to fight because they have been covered in the blood of the Lamb. 
They don't care about sickness. They don't care about losing their jobs. They don't care anything in this world except all they care about and want is Jesus. They want Jesus more than anything in this world. Neither giants, devil, Satan's angels, nothing will hold them back. All they want is Jesus. You know, folks, there's so much in this world right now that is distracting and destroying believers. And I know many of you are struggling with this. And folks, you know the warnings. You know it's the time. You've heard the messages on the remnant call. This is the hour. This is the day. We need to make a change. I'm asking, are you going to ever make that change? If you're waiting for tomorrow, tomorrow will never come. This is the hour when we make a change. In John 16, 33, it says this. These these things... I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus says, listen, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome. The Lord has taken care of this. Romans eight thirty-five and 39 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Folks, what is coming is beyond our wildest imaginations. The deception will be something that nobody in their flesh will be able to handle. But Jesus is saying, don't worry, I've overcome the world. There's no giant that can kick the Lord out of his throne. There's no bad news that's going to shake our God. He's wanting to know, Do you love him more than you love the world? That's a question we must all answer and answer it quickly. We must because this is the time when we need to make that decision. If God is God, then follow him. The Lord is asking us in this hour to make a change. Tomorrow may be too late. It's time to start now. This is Brother Frank on the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, sounding.